Oh, wow. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Total Basis Podcast. I am your host, Felipe Melicio. And with me, as always, is Sean Flannery. Flannery, how are you doing this evening? I am awesome. This is back-to-back days. This is like double the excitement, right? Double the pleasure. Double except, the pleasure. except we get to talk about disappointing people. But we're going to be excited about it because maybe they have some hope left. Disappointing people. That's what I do on a regular basis. <laughs> it's right in my wheelhouse. Uh, all right. So yesterday, uh, for those who uh, were uh, fortunate enough to listen, we talked about hitters who have disappointed. Today, we're going to talk about pitchers. And of course, the rules are that they have to be on a roster as of yesterday, Sunday, May 23rd, uh, over at the Baseball Life Fantasy Baseball League. So uh, every single one of our league mates is represented, including present company who is hosting tonight's episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and we actually get to hear from one half of Donk City. Uh, we're going to see Henry's team and see what he did to disappoint us today. Uh, so really quick, before I start, uh, I come home, I rush home, and this is waiting for me outside the door. And for those who have not gotten uh word yet uh we are recording live every single time from the greatest group of people you're ever gonna find over at facebook the baseball life facebook group uh i guess uh you know this was waiting for me this thing is heavy as hell by the way but this thing was waiting for me uh, outside when i got home in the hot chicago heat so i'm hoping that this for those that can't see it tell us what it is so there's a bunch of uh, it's it's a it's a care package, it's a sympathy package, uh, with perishable items inside. And like I said, I'm kind of concerned that I was sitting outside in this Chicago heat, but that's not about what's inside. It's it's the it's the gesture that counts, right, uh, Sean? As uh, this is uh, the, I I guess Henry and company. Although Henry does not want to take full credit, someone over in our little family, Sean. Um, do you know anything about this, by the way? I, I had no no inkling. All right, I, all right, all right. I was innocent of this crime. <laughs> I know nothing. Move along, officer. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Do you Just have a sure warrant? Finish. You can't ask me that question. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, uh, for those who don't know, my grandfather recently passed away. Um, and uh, it's uh, been a very, very rough uh, couple of months with my family. Uh, we've, we, My mom hasn't gotten over it. Um, I try my best to just... Uh, grieve in my own little special way which does include these are therapy sessions in case you didn't know sean uh for me and my grieving process i am totally a qualified therapist to help you (laughs) (laughs) of course you are man yeah um but it was nice to uh yeah i and you know what for a while i i forgot all of you know it's you know it's complicated you know how the grieving process goes and death in the family but it was a really nice gesture from my feet my people over at the uh life groups so whomever you are if it's not Henry alone, or if or, and if Henry has other partners in crime, please let me know so I can thank you individually. I really would like to do that. So again, from the bottom of my heart and my family, from my family to your family, thank you so much for this nice gesture you guys made. Uh, I'll let you know if I get sick from the cheese. <laughs> and if you are not watching live in the Baseball Life podcast group or just the Baseball Life group on Facebook in general, uh, we are being chimed in with the double a lovely pair of the host of Dong City. Both Vince and Henry are chiming in. And Vince is stealing my joke, which I just used pre-show, which was water crackers is also what Felipe calls me while I'm swimming. That is not what Felipe calls you. That is what I call you because we are both crackers. And honestly, you as a singular would just be a cracker. 
So both of us in the ocean at the same time would be plural crackers in the ocean. Um, honestly, uh, if me and Vince had to do a show together, I think it would be four hours long. And if it's going to be four hours long, we might as well do it in the ocean. Get all shriveled up and, you know, pruny and stuff. That would be a fun show. <laughs> Don't tell me with a good time there, Sean. <laughs> um, wow. You know, I, I've been thinking that we should talk to them and see if we can borrow each other's hosts and just do an episode with each other's hosts just to get a different dynamic going. I've been thinking about that. So it's funny that you, that you mentioned it. So we'll have our people talk to their people and see how it goes. <laughs> uh, all right. So <clears throat> we'll get, no, no uh, banter to get going here. Uh, so we, let's get to it. Cause we have a lot to cover again. I already set the rules. They have to be in, uh, in our baseball life league. And there they are in all its beauty. 12 very disappointing pitchers into the 2021 season. And you know what, Sean? I wanted to get your uh, – did you want to do like an up and down kind of thing? Because I feel like we talked about these hitters yesterday right here, but we didn't really, you know, make any suggestions as to how long before we can drop them or should we just give up on them or should we just keep them as for as long as possible. It is June or we're at the doorsteps of June. This is usually the time where fantasy owners have a tough decision to make in, ter- in terms of – putting up with these hitters or these players or not. So let's just go with you lightning round style. Yes or no. Francisco Lindor, do you drop him? Uh, no, God, no. First? no. God, no. Javier Baez, you don't drop him either, right? No. Alec Baum, do you keep him around? No. Even in uh, a, well, well, yes, I, I keep him around, but I don't drop him. Uh, even in a redraft league? where Even in a redraft league. Okay. DJ LeMahieu, well, that's an easy one. Not, yeah. <laughs> Jorge Soler, if you're, if you're Leon of the uh, Step Back Podcast, do you drop him? Keep him, Leon. Keep him. Ozzy Alves, he's disappointing, but you'll keep him around. I, I don't like him, but you got to keep him. Keston Hiora. He is probably the one player on this list. He was just called up today. So obviously, uh, the powers that be in Milwaukee did not listen to us last night. That's a tragic disappointment. Uh, he is the one guy that I probably, in a redraft, would drop just because he's been sent to the minors. The same issues that plagued him at the majors showed themselves still in the minors. Um, he is very much a high-risk, high-reward guy, but uh, he's the one guy, if you really see somebody on the waiver wire you believe in, he is probably your drop candidate. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, I if I have a my team, I, I feel like I, I, I owe it to myself to – Get a good sample size going, maybe 7, 14 game sample size and see how he bounces back from the minors. But from what the sound, what you were telling us about it yesterday, it's not looking too good for him. So I mean, the thing with him is he was likely already dropped in most redraft leagues. So mm-hmm. he is more of a pickup candidate rather than a hold on to candidate. Interesting. I, I, I'm, I'll check out the numbers from CBS to see uh, what the percentages are. Kyle Tucker, obviously, you don't drop him at all. Nope. Okay. He he has been the guy that is raging back from the poor April and that you should not be worried about at all. Well, I feel sorry for you if you are worried about him. <laughs> uh, Max Kepler, I'm not giving up on him, but do you suggest other people to give up on him? No, not at all. All of his, all of the peripherals looked well above average. Uh, he is dealing with the same splits issues that have given him trouble in the past, and I haven't double-checked on that injury prognosis, so... 
I would recommend you do that because I haven't done that yet because I didn't know we were going to do this segment because we like to keep things uh, off the cuff. No, man, I wanted to throw I wanted to throw your curveball and see uh, if you could think on your feet and check out your improvised. And I skills. and I am obviously Keston Hira or Javier Baez because I feel like I am swinging and missing all over these. Oh, these are oh, these are softball, man. These are relatively <laughs> softball. Uh, Keston Hira, forty eight percent rostered over at CBS Sportsline. You know how I feel about CBS Sportsline. I do trust them. I do trust their uh, their their ownership rate uh, a, a lot more than I do Yahoo and ESPN. I'll tell you that much. So forty eight percent. So there's a coin flip chance that Hira uh, was dropped a while back ago, like you mentioned. So uh, Kepler, I'm definitely. Uh, Holding on a little bit longer. Uh, how long? I don't know. I do have a little bit of depth on my own team, so we'll see. Eugenio Suarez, I, ha- I have him. Oh, by the way, Matt Bushnell, I just tagged you. Uh, Sean says don't drop Max Kepler just yet. I just tagged him. Eugenio Suarez, I have him on my points league. I'm not giving up on him, but do you suggest others to give up on him? You probably invested too much in terms of draft capital. And you look at the the numbers so far, as you have up put on that beautiful powder blue teal spreadsheet display uh he is batting 149 right now so you would have to think that there's no place else to go but up yeah i hold all right that's what i want to hear i i also want to say that uh vince said i was gonna make the same hura curveball joke you know how boring of a podcast that would be if me and vince went on the same thing people would literally fall asleep because neither of us would stop talking you know what it would be? It'd be vanilla. <laughs> it's funny because we're <laughs> white. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we won't do uh, the white on white crime, the, the Latino Latino thing. Maybe we'll just uh, <laughs> mi- racially mix. Like we'll do the America version of these podcasts when we when we do the crossover episode with Dong City. Uh, like I said, have your people call my people. Yeah. Uh, Manuel Hernandez uh, says uh, he's a big Oakland A's fan. He's already chiming in. Chappie is a disappointment at the bat. And sure he is. But do you give up on him? No, uh, right. because we are seeing it's a lot of what we've seen so far from Matt Chapman. Lots of swing and miss. But the power is legit. And coming off a major surgery, there usually is a small bit of time in terms of getting back to normal. And if Matt Chapman gets anything back to normal, we're banking on that 25 to 30 home run power right in the middle of a playoff contending lineup. Uh, you can't give up on him so far. Granted, Jet already did in our league because he was dropped, but I would not give up on him. Okay, and then I didn't realize that Aaron uh, picked him up uh, immediately after. We did talk about Jet just trying to make up for bad drafts by just going ham on the waiver wire. So maybe that's the secret to a success. Uh, but, you know, one man's uh, garbage is Aaron Zook, Zook of Earl, the defending champion. <laughs> Zook of Earl. I love it. I've been doing that for <laughs> forever now. I, I just, I'm just now hearing it. Zook, 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 Zook of Earl. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, I would have given up on him. A lot. I wouldn't even have drafted him in the first place. But you, Sean, you're a big fan. Would you give up on him? No, I wouldn't. I've always believed in the hit tool. I'm not giving up now. I was actually watching some of the Toronto Tampa game earlier this afternoon because it was the only early afternoon game. He's had several multi hit games so far on this homestand. They are about to officially leave Dunedin as their home park, which he was like batting over 400 at. So maybe he might take another small step back, but it does appear that Lourdes Goriel is getting hot and with his hit tool 
like I said, I buy into his hit tool. I, I thought he was better than Glaber Torres, and I will stick by that until somebody is burying me in the ground. All right. <laughs> if Lourdes Goriel was in Yankee Stadium and playing the Orioles 19 times a year, Yankees fans would feel the same. Don't I'm give not, me don't give me that look. Not, not, for the for the no, for no. the people that are not watching in the baseball life baseball group, Felipe was just giving me mega eyes. And I just I'm not gonna stand for that because Lourdes Gurriel is a good hitter. I think he is a better hitter than Glaber Torres, and I think he's not in a better lineup, but he's in a great lineup. And the hotter he gets, the higher they'll move him up the lineup. And then you start putting him around guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who, if you didn't see my post in Baseball Life today, is leading the league in war. I think it was baseball reference war, so slight caveat, but uh, that's awesome. And Calvin Biggio is supposed to be coming back from the aisle soon. You start moving him up that lineup, I see mega opportunity for Lourdes Gurriel. Do not give up on him. Well, you know how I feel about Lourdes Gurriel, so no, I'm not. I got nothing else to add. Uh, Vince is really trashing you. He's already telling Henry to go get to go grab a shovel for your burial, apparently. So, um, <laughs> all right, let's move on to the pitchers. Then that's what this show's about. We have a lot of pitchers to talk about. I mean, twelve, but I, I had some requests from our sister podcast uh, over uh, on Monday. Is there a bunch of because there are a bunch of girls. Girls. <laughs> <laughs> All I really want is girls. Uh, Dong City's uh, Vince and Henry had questions about a couple of pitchers, so we will uh, we will humor them a little bit. But let's start off with Luis Castillo. You know, I hit them last time, but oh well. Uh, this makes it easier for me because I put all of my tabs in the same order you did. Okay. But then on the hitters line, you hid them. And they were in all sorts of orders. I had to go back to front. It was very confusing. I'm telling you, man. I like to keep you on your toes, man. <laughs> no, you never always expect the unexpected from me. But let's start with Luis Castillo. Uh, I mean, this is pretty bad. I, I feel bad, too. I feel like I cursed him because I thought he was going to get the world, the Cy Young Award this year, and he didn't. He let me down. Um, I mean, look at this. This is 180 whip. I noticed that the fastball velocity is down by one mile per hour. Exit velo and the hard hit rate are career highs for him as well. So he's just getting rattled and rocked, and he's not striking out guys like he used to. What do you make of Luis Castillo? <clears throat> he is a very interesting person to look at because, like you said, a lot of people had with Trevor Bauer leaving Cleveland or not Cleveland, Cincinnati, he was the heir apparent to the ace of the NL Central. And he's always gotten by on a great fastball. And you mentioned the velo being down a little bit. It is starting to tick back up. But what we want to talk about when we look at Luis Castillo is he's never been someone who has relied on velocity. He has relied on probably a Johan Santana-esque changeup, one of the best in the game. Over his entire career before this year, the highest batting average against his changeup had been 205 and hitters whiffed 40% or more against it. This year, they're batting 230 against it, and you say 230, that's pretty good. But it's 30 points over what his career average has been, if not a little bit more due to rounding. But they're also whiffing under 30% when they had never whiffed less than 40% in years leading up to 2021. He is leaning less on the changeup. He's still throwing it more than any of his other pitches at around 34%. And 
it just seems like he's lost a little bit of feel for that changeup. Mm-hmm. And for someone who has relied on a changeup as much as he has to lose it, that's not good. And you look at his ERA and it's over seven and a half. And we all thought he had come back to normal in that start against San Francisco in Cincinnati, which was even more encouraging. He had went five innings, only gave up three runs, but had 11 strikeouts. We're all like, this is it. His reign of terror over my team ERA is over. Um, and then he follows it up with a five inning start versus Milwaukee, gives up five earned runs with a four walk to five strikeout ratio. That is not good. His expected ERA is 4.3. So maybe there is a little bit. uh, Teams are still chasing against him, which is good. But he is, you know, struggling into some bad luck. But there's enough signs in the peripherals to say, if you drafted him in the second round, which a lot of people did, you've probably already passed the point of no return. Because (laughs) as we mentioned on a show earlier this week, uh, Luis Castillo could go the rest of the season, giving up nothing but quality starts, going six innings and giving up three earned runs. And if he did that for every single start the rest of the year, his season-long ERA would be about five and a half. And if you invested second-round draft capital in that, then... um, Good luck next year. It can't be that bad. It can't be that bad, right? (laughs) As a Mets fan, I'm telling you, it can be that bad. (laughs) Well, here's the thing about him. And man, I don't even know where to go from here, but it it sounds like it's kind of, well, the expected ERA that you just mentioned, it just sounds like it's the same thing that you just talked about with Eugenio Suarez. It's like, it, it, it is so bad right now that there's only one way to go, but up. And with Luis Castillo, his, uh, Pitching numbers are so high right now that there's only one way to go, but down. But you're, it doesn't sound like you're, you're as optimistic as you are with Castillo as you were with uh, Suarez there. Um, I'm not because he is someone who has relied so much on that changeup, not only in getting weak contact, but in getting whiffs. And his whiff total has just, you know, essentially cratered. The last two years, it was 35% and 33%. This year, it is a career low. 24 and a half percent. And if he's not getting the whiffs, he's always been a spotty command person. His walk percentages the last three years has been between eight and a half and 10%. That's not great, but he has gotten enough whiffs and gotten enough weak contact to negate it. But this year that's not there. And I know we've probably spent too much time on Luis Castillo, but he is likely the highest drafted player we've talked about so far, both with the hitters and are going to talk about with the pitchers. And for him to struggle as much as he is, I think deserves the extra scrutiny. Yeah. Because we already talked to him, like you said, we already talked about him in a, in a separate episode. And all right, well, I guess the final question for you is when do you give up on him? Uh, is it yesterday? Is it today? Is it sometime in mid-June? When do you cut bait? With a second round draft pick, how do you cut bait? It's one of those you hope you can put him on your bench. And maybe if he gets a start against the Pirates or like street, I mean, it sounds so crude to say, oh, yeah, stream your second round draft pick. But obviously running him out there week after week is not working. And Cincinnati has shown no, you know, willingness to say, 
we're going to put him on an aisle stunt. You know, just find something that's wrong with him. I mean, say his fingernail hurts. Just give him a week off. Give him a week and a half, two weeks off. Get him back to normal. Get him adjusted. Let him go blow away some single A hitters like Jacob DeGrom did (laughs) and get some confidence back because obviously it's not working right now. So I wouldn't drop him just because you can't. I I feel like he is undroppable, but geez, he's killing you. Oh, man, that is a yeah, I guess that's the best way to go is just to stream him uh, against uh, better matchups. But that, yeah, like I said, second round pick, uh, Sanyang. Award winner over here, preseason Cy Young Award winner. That's what I predicted. That's a tough pill to swallow. You've mentioned to just drop him into the minors. He does have two minor league options, so it's a. You see, I I don't think they would ever option him. I think it would be more of a ghost oh, like IL stint. Yeah. Like a, oh, I see what you're saying. All right, yeah. and get him on a rehab assignment, and you know, because if they straight option him, that's like Matt Harvey esque. Yeah. He actually might be able to refuse the assignment. I'm not sure if he has enough service time to refuse the outright. Uh, I know Matt Harvey did that. I know Oliver Perez did that with the Mets back in the day. Uh, he might be above that. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Moving on to the next guy, Kent Maeda. <laughs> the famous napkin gate. Okay, so for those who don't know, uh, Aaron, <laughs> who's our defending champion, uh, got a little cocky uh, during the draft. And for a split second, for those who were fortunate enough to see, <laughs> basically uh, shared with us. I mean, she's not someone who just openly shares about stuff, right? So, but this one, she let her guard down and shared her cheat sheet with us. Her cheat sheet was just a cocktail napkin and the words Clayton Kershaw and Kenta Maeda on them. And sure enough, she ends up drafting Kenta Maeda, uh, who has an expected ERA of 484, actual ERA of 527. 148 whip, really bad. I mean, the, the strikeout per walk ratio is pretty decent, uh, but we were expecting a lot more from him, especially the great year that he had last year. At least I, from what I remember, it was a pretty damn good year for him. Uh, I know this because Rocco Baldelli said it was a pleasure seeing him pitch every game. So with Maeda, <laughs> it's not as bad as Castillo, but what is going wrong with him this year? It seems to be just by a cursory inspection, he's getting hit more in the zone and he's always been someone that has pounded the zone he's had always had a relatively low walk rate uh but this year the walk rate is still pretty low at 5.8 percent but his fastball and sinker the sinker's always been hit relatively hard um but the fastball this year and the sinker especially are just getting pounded and the velocity is you know slightly down on it not something that you'd be typically worried about but the whiff rate on the breaking stuff, which he has made his two primary pitches the last two years, the slider and the splitter. Uh, last year, the slider had a whiff rate of 33%, and the splitter was 45.5%. It was a nasty pitch. Uh, this year, both of them have sub-29% whiff rates. He's not generating the same amount of whiffs. They're hitting for a higher average versus both of those pitches, and uh, I believe he was my candidate for the AL Cy Young after he received votes in 2020. And um, just like your candidate, Luis Castillo, it's not working. And I drafted him highly in the TG FBI League as my pitcher number two. 
And um, you got you to tell the folks what that stands for. Come on. Man. That's the uh, Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. A lot of content creators from all over the country, all over the world, actually, uh, compete. And we, we broke down the team and we broke down the draft. We had a guest from the draft join us earlier in the year. And I was really excited about my Kenta Maeda pick. Um, it was down to him or Corbin Burns, and Corbin Burns went right before him. And uh, I got stuck with Kenta Maeda, and I said, you know what? I'm okay with that. But um, we fast forward a month and a half, and here we are. <laughs> um, okay, same question. I mean, do you see him uh, bouncing back uh, for the rest of the year? Is there... Is there any optimism for the Kenta Maeda owners in the, of the world to not give up on him just quite yet for him? I mean, he's always been such a good pitcher in Major League Baseball, even yeah. with his advanced age and diminished velocity. Because even when he came over, he did not throw that hard. Uh, his rookie year, the fastball averaged 90.7. This year, it averages 91. So he's actually throwing a little bit harder. It's just a weird... I trust someone who has his command and his arsenal more than I would maybe trust even Luis Castillo. Yeah. Um, and plus in a weak division, like he's in, then yeah, I'm going to probably go for Louis, uh, Ken Samayeta over Luis Castillo. Uh, by the way, all of these pitchers, uh, all, only two do not have a Sierra, which is the skills interactive ERA. They do not have an ERA over four. So of the starting pitchers on this list, only two are below 4.00. And uh, we'll get to those guys in a, in a couple of seconds here, or minutes, I should say. But uh, so don't give up on Kentamaeda just yet then, right? Yeah, I, I would hold. I mean, he's much in the Castillo mold. He was drafted in the late second, early third round. I don't think you can give up on that. Okay. I just want to make sure you okay. On the record, Chris Paddock, uh, that goes to James. So, uh, our resident uh, video game streamer. Uh, not, you know, it, it's not so bad, right? I mean, 1.27 whip, 3.93 ERA, 3.09. Your honorable mentions were Max Fried and, and Zach Plesek, but I feel like Chris Paddock came with a lot more um, hype, so to speak, compared to these other two guys. Like his, And he has more potential, more upside, more of a ceiling than Max Fried because we – talked about Max Reed before and we're not excited about him as other people are. Zach Plesek is, you know, whatever, just a mid-rotation starter on a really bad, um, not a bad team, but team that's not trying like the Cleveland Indians. So Chris Paddock was my choice for you to talk about here. Uh, why did you end up picking uh, Why did you uh, include Chris Paddock on this list for James's team? Because James has not, you know, just one of these guys. And all three of them, to the same degree, are starting to show signs of life. Freed and Plezak really struggled early in the year. Uh, Freed with an injury. Plezak came back. Their last few starts have been good, uh, very reminiscent of their career numbers. But Chris Paddock is the guy that is very interesting to talk about because he was a guy that struggled extremely in 2020. And he actually was one of those people we talked all episode or not all episode, but most of the episode yesterday with Keston here about how the analytics maybe killed him. You know, mm. he gets called back up today, but they seem to do more damage than good. But with Chris Paddock this year, he has done almost the exact opposite. Um, when he came up in 2019, he was a fastball changeup. That was it. And we all wondered how is the third pitch going to develop? 
but it wasn't the third pitch that killed him in 2020. It was that his four-seamer turned into a cutter. Uh, He actually averaged in the probably, like I think, top 10 percentile in vertical movement on his four-seamer in 2019. And I know you're already going to ask me. That means that it did not drop as much. It, it averaged two inches above the average, you know, vertical drop on a fastball. In 2020, it dropped to minus 0.6. And I know that probably seems like a very small total, but to drop from plus two to negative 0.6 is quite drastic. And when you look his horizontal movement on the fast four seam fastball, which isn't something you usually want, um, was at 3.1. So he wasn't throwing. He was a north-south guy, you know, high four-seam, change-up low. He was turning into this four-seam cutter change-up, and he wasn't getting the same, you know, play on the change-up, wasn't getting the same play on the fastball, and he was one of those players that acknowledged that. He saw the data in the offseason and said, that's not what got me here. Yeah. And so far this year, It has gone back up. It's not up to the two inches above average it was in 2021 or in 2019, but it is right at major league average. He's cut down on the cut on it. And we've always talked about the third pitch with him. He's posting the highest vertical drop of his career so far at about seven inches on the curveball. And he is using it more than he's ever had before, which is a pretty good thing, especially with the results he's getting a 43% whiff rate. They're batting only 167 against it. The more he works on that fastball, we always trusted the command. We always trusted the changeup. If he can get the fastball to 2019 levels and keep that curveball gains, he's going to be a stud. Mm-hmm. Well, we've kind of been waiting for him to become that stud. I mean, he was a highly regarded prospect. Uh, ace material, the makeup of a of a bulldog ace, like in the mold of Oral Horschiser or or uh, young Luis Castillo. As we, I mean, as I think we're forgetting how great he was in 2019. Even in his rookie year, he only mm-hmm. won 140 innings, but he had a 3.3 ERA and a sub one whip. How many oh, rookies yeah. post a sub one whip? That well, that's the really encouraging thing with Paddock. No, I, I, I know this because I was considering in my keeper league, my points league, I was considering key, uh, have, having him as my mainstay and, and pairing him up with Jacob DeGrum. Uh, the problem with him is that from a personal standpoint, I felt like they, the Padres were babying him too much or that they were taking forever to build up his strength. And then the pandemic happened and then that didn't happen uh, because there wasn't a lot of games and they were insisting on going on a six-man rotation. To, so as a fantasy owner, that was pretty frustrating. Uh, to deal with, but, uh, uh, but uh, I was I was going to ask you dumb question, right? They're, they they haven't done it. The Padres have not done a six man rotation for the most part this year, right? They, they're just sticking with five people this time. I think they've been sticking with five people, but we recently saw uh, Paddock himself. I believe no, he hasn't come out of the bullpen yet. But Denelson Lamette has come out of the bullpen, mm-hmm. and they're finding ways of you know ramping Lamette back up. Um, actually I have Gilitos who is, uh, who's flashy's next, but I do believe Paddock actually did come out of the bullpen one of these games and let me pull it up and I can tell you exactly, uh, no, he has started every game, Okay, but they might, they have the personnel to do it. So always be wary of that. 
Uh, by the way, for those who don't know what this Sierra number is, uh, Sierra uh, is a statistic that I know it from Fangraphs. They they use that statistic, and it's basically trying to isolate um, all the factors that a pitcher can control by himself. But they're also including batted balls, unlike some of the other statistics that only deal with strikeouts, walks, and, and hit by pitches and home runs given up. This Sierra <clears throat> statistic actually tries to account for the batted balls in play. So it's a, so it's basically he's, his ERA uh, if uh, the batted balls in play were league controlled for an individual pitcher. And with all that said, in a vacuum, he would still paddock would still have an ERA over four. But his actual ERA is like what three nine three, so it's pretty darn close. But like I said, all the there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about Luke, about uh, Chris Paddock, and we move on to <laughs> our guy Lucas Giolito, who I mentioned. He's actually one of the few guys on this uh, pitching list who has a Sierra below four. Uh, but he uh, recently got torched. Um, I forgot what team it was that killed him, but then he bounced back against the Minnesota Twins and pitched a dandy of a ball game and. He has White Sox fans, including this guy right here, thinking that he is back. I mean, he has on my fantasy team. I'm hoping that he is back in that that stretch where he uh, nearly cost me uh, my my grip on our fantasy baseball league, Sean, the Baseball Life Fantasy League. It almost cost me my grip to loosen up too much, too much for comfort. But it looks like he's back. 435 ERA, 119 whip, which is respectable. Uh, the fielding independent pitching is at 432. And again, this is that one, right? Feel, FIP, field independent pitching. Literally, what if there were no fielders behind the pitcher? How much could he dominate? And that's strikeouts, walks, and home runs given up, right? Well, according to FIP, he would also have an ERA over 4.32 if it wasn't for his defense. So a career-high barrel rate. Lots of uh, peripherals are suggesting that uh, there's a lot of issues going on with Giolito, but you, Mr. Pitching Savant, what do you see on your end? Well, the actual, you know, batted ball data is not great, as you have mentioned on your beautiful spreadsheet. Uh, career high barrel rate, which is not a good thing a pitcher wants. Yeah. Um, the strikeout and walk rates are okay. He is slightly below 30%, which is He's been well over 30% in the last two years and his what has been considered the Giolito breakout. Uh, but if you look at the expected ERA, which takes into account the strikes or strikeouts, walks, and batted ball data, his ERA is 3.8. And when you compare that to his true breakout of 2019, his expected ERA was 3.5. So it's relatively close. Yeah. Um, the main issue this year, the changeup is still phenomenal. And in that you mentioned he, you know, got kind of shelled by the Royals two starts ago, six innings, five earned runs. Uh, and then in that start against the Twins, he went eight innings with 11 strikeouts. He really used the changeup a lot in that start against the Twins, which is his best pitch. And he is using it even more than he's ever used it before. And that's been a common theme the last few years. But this year is his breaking ball. It's he's hanging it over the middle. It's getting hit hard. He's given up three home runs on his slider alone. When in all of 2019, which was his full season, he only gave up four home runs against that pitch. And it had a whiff rate then of almost 42%. And this year it has dropped 10% to a little over 31%. The changeup, he's almost turning devolving, as we might say, into a Chris Paddock type pitcher where he's lost the breaking ball and he's starting to really rely on that four seam changeup mix. 
And the velocity on the fastball is down, but it's not a negligible amount down. But the whiff rate is. He is missing far too much over the middle, middle part of the zone. While the last two years, he really lived on high fastball change up at the bottom of the zone. That's not working as much as it is this year because he's missing too much middle, middle instead of high middle. Fascinating. That's really fascinating. So yeah, that, that would do it. If, if uh, the velocity isn't there and it's the movement's not there, like it used to be from what I gather from you. So he has to adjust his pitching arsenal to continue to be that ace pitcher that we all depend on him to be uh, in terms of fantasy. And if you're a white Sox fan, like uh, like I am, don't ignore the hats. Just, <laughs> you know, I've been people. I'm surprised people haven't asked me why aren't you wearing a White Sox hat? You're such a White Sox fan. Well, this one still fits, as you can see. I haven't had a haircut in a long time because of the pandemic. <clears throat> so you know, I'm trying to avoid all that. You know, safety first. <laughs> um. All right. So that's Lucas Giolito. Um. Uh, so obviously, I'm not giving up on him anytime soon. You're. It sounds like you're suggesting that not to give up on him either. Uh. Yeah, he's another one of those guys like Castillo who is probably drafted too high that you just can't afford to drop. Shoot, I kept the guy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now we get to your team, Frankie Montes. I I wonder if Manuel Hernandez is still around because uh, now we get to talk about another Oakland Ace player. But uh, again, decent strikeout per walk, but the ERA is really high at 479. 1.40 whip, which is really high. Expect the ERA of 4.50 and a field independent pitching of 4.62. Even the peripherals suggest that Montes is not as good as uh, we thought he was uh, just a couple years ago. What's wrong with him this year? Had a extremely rough month of April where his ERA was over six. So far in May, over four starts, he has a 3.2 ERA. The whip is about where we would expect it. He's always been a slightly higher whip guy. The thing to really focus in on with Montas is his breakout year of 2019, which he did suffer the PED uh, suspension in the middle of, was that split finger really became like the go-to pitch for him. He had a whiff rate of 40% that year. He came back last year, had a whiff rate of 50% even though he used the pitch less because it was getting hit more, which is a very interesting mix. They whiffed on half of his splitters, but also batted 333 against it. So you could really see, especially when you count into a uh, count, yeah, take into effect how much pitchers usually lose touch of the splitter, which is a relatively common thing when you look at guys that throw splitters. This year, he has bumped up the usage slightly more. They are back to struggling against it. They are batting slightly higher than it was in 2019. Whiff rate is up to 45%. But he is primarily a sinker pitcher. And we look at guys that sink their fastballs. They're not going to miss as many bats. They rely on really good fielding, which he has gold glovers at the corners, no doubt. Yeah. But he has a elderly slash geriatric middle infield between <laughs> Elvis Andrus and Jed Lowry. And it's one of those, he's very much a risk versus reward guy. He could go on a stretch here. He has had a good month of May, but the sinker is just not a good pitch. He is throwing the four seams slightly more and it is doing very well. It's just one of those, you got to see how the pitch mix you know, evolves into this year. Uh, does the sinker start to come down? Does he throw the four seam and splitter more? And if he does that, 
he could be, you know, an all-star. But if he keeps throwing that primary sinker, which he has for his entire career, essentially, it's always been around the 38% mark. Uh, he's just going to have to rely on his defense. And that's a, a tough thing for a pitcher to do. And it's a hard thing to predict um, in terms of pitcher success. Oh, man. Wow. It's a shame. It's a real shame. I, I honestly thought that the PDs uh, would have uh, given him another year or two of uh, him trying to reach that upside that we all had hoped for him. But uh, all right, well, we'll see how that goes. And obviously you're not giving up on him anytime soon. No, I actually, I I dropped Jamison Tyone over him. I was going back and forth between the two. And I know you wanted to talk about Tyone. Oh, oh, I thought you got to wait. You got to wait. No, 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 no. It wasn't me who wanted to talk about Tyone. I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, Henry from Dong City was the one who wanted to talk about Tyone. So thank you for reminding me of that because I nearly forgot. Um, So, yeah, let's talk about Jamison Tyone. Let's do uh, an audible on these guys. Oh, wait, audible. That's Tuesday nights, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, Jamison Tyone, uh, former Pirates prospect. We thought that he would be another uh, another pitcher on the long line of uh, uh, former Pirates who do well in other places. Unfortunately, he lands in New York where um, it's probably not the best place to go if you're trying to kind of rebound on your career. Uh, But, you know, he's the guy who had testicular cancer and bounced back pretty well. Um, and was able to uh, come back and be a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball level. Um, so what's the deal with him then? It's more of a what park is he in? Uh, uh, he's always been one of those guys, really solid control. That has not changed. The, the walk rate is up a little bit from his last few years that he pitched in Major League Baseball, but he's actually posting the lowest expected ERA in about two years uh, since 2017. I didn't want to drop him. I, I, I really didn't. But it's one of those, what division does he pitch into and what ballpark does he pitch in? Uh, so far, as he's gone to more four-seam breaking ball combo, getting out of Pittsburgh where he threw, you know, a lot of sinkers. He's completely ditched the sinker. That's not a thing with Jamison Tyone anymore. And it's working wonders for him because his four-seam fastball, which he's throwing over half the time, He's throwing it around 94 miles an hour on average. They're only batting 220. The expected batting average is even better. It's under 190. They're whiffing 30% of the time of it. Uh, he's locating it. If you look at his hot zone on forcing fastball, it is in the perfect spot right at the top part of the zone. You love to see it. He's always had a good slider and curveball. The slider right on the corner down and away to a right-handed batter right where you want to see it. It's amazing, honestly. But the thing to acknowledge, the more he pitches up in the zone with his fastball, the more he throws his curveball, which he is doing, he's going to get more fly balls. He he has a career-high fly ball percentage, and it's not even close, of 30.5%. The closest time he's been to that was in 2018 when he was at 21%. Hmm. So dramatic increase in fly balls. And tell me if you've heard this before, but fly balls in the American League East, specifically <laughs> Yankee Stadium, uh-huh. is not a good combo. Yeah. Uh, so far this year, he has an ERA over five. It is what it is. The expected ERA is at about three and a half. Like I said, I like Jamison Tyone. It's just when you compare him to other pitchers in other environments, he is the easy guy to dismiss. Mm-hmm. because of that environment 
And when you see the uptick in fly balls and the fact that he's pitching half his games in Yankee Stadium, uh, I just I got to look the other way. I got to find somebody else. Well, I if I'm desperate for pitching, I I'd still take a flyer on him. I mean, he is like I said, high, former highly regarded prospect. He has that ex Pirates factor, which is a real thing as we're seeing. At least I want to believe it's a real thing. At least as to anytime we can shit on the Pirates a little longer, I, I'm all for it. Uh, the fastball is a little down at 93, 94 mile per hour. Not not my cup of tea, but like I said, there is a lot to like here. But like you just mentioned, it's that dreadful. AL East that is uh, merciless. If you don't have the Garrett Cole stuff, it, it could be very merciless for a pitcher. I mean, it's one of those things. The expected numbers are the best of his career. The whiff numbers, highest of his career. This is a guy that we should all be jumping on. Mm-hmm. But then you look, he's given up 40 hits. Nine of them have been home runs. Mm-hmm. That's a quarter, almost a quarter of his pitches have yeah. been home runs. Yeah. And that's just a very delicate, you know, wire to walk on. And he doesn't walk a lot of guys, which is a good thing. But I, yeah, I, I don't like the blowups. And, just and he's remind, had a few of them. And just remember, you're the one who dropped them, right? Is, yes, I, I did drop him. And he, with his injury history, I don't yeah. see him pitching that many innings. So far this year, he has not gone more than five innings. Mm. He's had more starts below five innings. Then he has he hasn't had one start over five innings. Actually, one start. Apologies. He's had three five inning starts and one that was six and a third. But he said one, two, three, four, five, five starts under five innings. You're not getting any wins if he's not going five innings, which in the long run is probably a good thing for Jamison Tyone. He's still only 29. He's coming back off of multiple years of injuries where he hasn't pitched. But for this year, that's not good for fantasy. What about on the road? What if you just stream him on the road only? Uh, road only. Let's look at his away games. He. <laughs> this is hilarious. As a New York Yankee, he is at home. A 2.42 ERA in 26 innings. A whip under one. On the road, <laughs> you're not going to believe me. A 1.8 whip in 16 innings and a mm-hmm. 9.1 ERA. I believe you. That's a, I, that's why I'm not a fan of just uh, of doing the home road splits unless it's a Colorado Rocky player. And even then, I, I don't care. But that is with one start in Dunedin, uh, one start in Texas, which has actually played pretty big, yeah. and a start in Tampa and a start in Cleveland, mm, which yeah. Cleveland plays. Eh, it's a weird ballpark. Yeah, and that's a weird team too, as we mentioned time and time again. Uh, but that's why I don't I don't like doing home road. Sp- I'm not a big proponent of home road splits because they're so wacky. I mean, we, we especially already, in small sample uh, in small samples. That's exactly why I hate it because it, it, you you already have a small sample size, and you're asking me to cut it down to even a, a smaller sampler. And I just I'd rather not. So, all right, so let's move on on our list. Zach Gallen, uh, Mario Super Mario's team. Um, He's on the injured list with elbow injuries, uh, trying to avoid Tommy John surgery. I had him in my points league. I drafted him in the virtual sixth round. He was my first pick uh, after keepers, and I already regret it. But when he was on, uh, there were already some signs that that elbow might be a problem. A 2.29 strikeout per walk rate for a supposed ace like that, that's that's trouble. 1.20 whip. Uh, You also, as an honorable mention, you wanted to talk about Mitch Keller, but let's can we avoid that for today yeah 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 mitch keller once again a guy that i loved coming up through the minors i thought he was like glass now 2.0 
it's uh, just not, yeah, it, yeah. it's still not working, but Zach gallon is really the guy to focus on here. Hence why you picked him. You yeah. drafted, uh, invested a lot of draft capital, just like he was going in that same round as Paddock, uh, not Paddock, uh, Castillo, Maeda, and Giolito. He was going slightly behind those guys, wow. but still in like the second or third round, especially in drafts before that spring training injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, he definitely did drop in some late drafts. And then he comes back, he pitches relatively well, but then he suffers the UCL sprain. Then Arizona says that they're going to do some not experimental, but it's they're going to treat it differently. He's already throwing now. And the whole thing reeks of Garrett Richards trying to avoid Tommy John surgery a few years ago. And I'm just, I, I'm so worried about it. And if he was the guy that you drafted at SP1 in the second or late second, early third round, uh, I'd be very worried. Well, I already dropped them on my league because I, I, everybody's injured on my team and I needed to make room on my IL slot. We only get one IL slot in my points league, so uh, it was either him or Jacob DeGrom. You tell me who I should keep around for the long haul here. <laughs> but as, I also had Christian Yelich, Jordan Alvarez, uh, Ketel Marte on the injured list. So, yeah, it, it was it was it got ugly in a hurry. But even when he was out there, he, he wasn't uh, very promising. And it looks like we may not see him for the rest of the year. At least that's my prediction. Uh, you over there listening, tell us if you are expecting to see Zach Gallen perform again this year. Sometime. I'm expecting to see him come back. Okay. Uh, the question for him is going to be when he comes back, how long does he stay back? Mm. Uh, that That's and granted. I was wrong when we talked about Fernando Tatis a few weeks ago, and I was worried about how long he would last when he came back. And so far, but, but that was warranted, man. I mean, we talked about him and Michael Conforto. Those shoulder injuries on hitters are a nightmare to deal with. Uh, I know people ask me about Fernando Tatis. Is it time for me to trade him? Like, yeah, wait for him to come back. And then, you know, he had that big week when he came back. And I told everybody who would ask me about Tatis, trade him now. You don't want to deal with this nonsense <laughs> later. He's already 22 years old. He has that back problem. He has a shoulder problem. And, and a lot of my friends are in dynasty league and keeper leagues like yeah get, try to get as much as you can from right now and take advantage of his youth and the fact that he's an uh that he gets a, a lot of the hype along with mike trout as being the two best <clears throat> most exciting uh players in major league baseball take advantage uh so wait why are we talking about oh because you were saying you were wrong about tatis yeah but no, I, i'm agreeing with you though i i think i think that was those were valid concerns i, I honestly do think so yeah he began playing catch right before the weekend And the injury he is out with, in case people don't know, is a sprain of his UCL, which is that ligament that if you sprain it severely enough or completely tear it, then you're going under the knife for Tommy John. Mm -mm. And as his uh, rotowire thing says, he is out with the UCL sprain, so playing light catch isn't necessarily an optimistic sign. He will be at risk of re-injury that could lead to surgery. Uh, not for if, me, man. If I'm, I'm Arizona, and this is mainly in you know a dynasty aspect as well. If I'm Arizona, you're not going to win the division this year. You're playing better than probably teams expected you to, but still not good enough. Just let him have the surgery. <clears throat> yeah. He's young. He's only, I believe, 25 years old. Yeah, 25. Mm-hmm. Let him have the surgery. Get it out of the way. You're not winning this year. <laughs> I, I know fantasy owners don't want to hear that, but. No, it's. I mean, he he, back, he could he could come back and be great, but then he tears his ligament at the very end of the year, and he's out for all of next year. 
Yeah, screw so, that. So dynasty aspects, he's like, oh, he's dynamite. You don't want to touch him. Uh, this year in a redraft, if he's been dropped and I have an IL slot, maybe I pick him up and hold on to him. But no, uh, he's uh, he's he's crazy to look at. I'm done with him. I don't want anything to do. Even when he's back, that's always going to be in the back of your mind. Oh, man, is this the game where he blows up his ligaments? And I mean, I'm a Mets pieces. fan. I'm used to wondering about, <laughs> oh, God, this guy's about to blow out his arm. I mean, hell, the Mets just lost their seventh outfielder of the year. Yeah. Uh, Janeshwi Fargus started off the year in AAA. He wasn't even on the 40-man roster. He just ran into a wall and messed up his shoulder. <laughs> it's uh, oh, Like I said, I'm, I'm used to this stuff. Let's move on to another guy, uh, less a uh, less of an exciting guy. But you you uh, at, you you mentioned Mike Harvey's team out of Eastern Washington, and having issues with his bullpen. So I picked a bullpen arm. Rafael Montero has three wins already as a reliever, and that's always a cause for concern now, isn't it, Sean? When a relief pitcher has three wins, who is supposed to be your closer? So I wonder why. I wonder if it has something to do with the fact that he has five saves but zero net saves, which means that he might also. Yep, there it is. Along with the five saves, he also has five blown saves. <laughs> That's just got awful, man. Uh, 2.67 uh, strikeout per walk, which is pretty mediocre for a relief pitcher. We've seen those guys really, really jack up the uh, strikeout per walk ratio. Uh, 5.12 ERA, uh, respectable whip, but that's because uh, I'm wondering if that's more of a, a of just, a, 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 you know, being able to control and not be able to command his pitches. You also did an honorable mention for Marco Gonzalez, but we all know who Marco Gonzalez is, what he's about, and he's injured anyway, so it doesn't matter. Plus, I figure we have a little bit more fun making fun of Montero, who has a career low strikeout per nine innings of 7.4 or 5. Seattle, what the hell were you thinking, giving this guy the closer role after, at the beginning of the uh, of the season? And I'll give you credit, Sean, before I get let it um, send it back to you. You called it. Don't trust Rafael Montero because a lot. This guy was top twenty, top twenty-five in a lot of the so-called expert rankings, and you're like, no, don't do it, don't do it, get out of the way, just go after someone else, go after another Mariners pitcher. I forgot who it was, but you warned us uh, from the very beginning. Do not get Rafael Montero. What else do you want to add about Rafael Montero as we egg on him today? I mean, what made Rafael Montero a top prospect in all of baseball back in 2014, 2015? It wasn't things that lended itself to being a quality reliever. He didn't have overpowering stuff. He was a higher rated prospect than Jacob DeGrom. Let that sink in. They were called up on the same weekend, both against the Yankees. The hype was on Rafael Montero, not Jacob DeGrom. He had always had plus command, and that's still there. The walk rate is still good. But the strikeouts were never what he was about. He posted a career high in 2019 when he collected zero saves, but was an integral member of the Texas Rangers bullpen. He had 34 strikeouts in 29 innings. In the 2020 pandemic short season, he had eight saves with a four ERA. Uh, The strikeouts were about one-to-one. But when he went to Seattle, when Texas traded him, Mm -hmm. you looked at other arms that were available to Seattle, and you said, is he better than this guy? Is he better than this guy? And he simply hasn't been. Uh, Kendall Graveman was the guy that they really developed into this high 90s, great late inning reliever type pitcher, you know, converted starter, kind of like Edwin Diaz, except they turned Diaz into a reliever in double A and, you know, later in his career. Uh, he is now hurt. So maybe Rafael Montero picks up a little bit of saves. The peripherals aren't terrible in terms of batted ball data, 
but the strikeouts aren't there. The stuff is definitely not there. He's at average. The fastball velocity is still around 95, higher than it was as a starter, which you would expect. But whiff rate still below average. They have better options. The only thing that would lead them to have Montero save games is injuries, which they do have a lot of in the bullpen. All right. Uh, Dylan Bundy, I don't know if you've been keeping track of the chatter going on in the chat, but uh, Leon already said that he dropped them. <laughs> I, don't yeah, know if it, I don't blame you, man. <laughs> I don't know if that has anything to do with him being when he saw this list and he saw Dylan Bundy and maybe that's when the light went off and saying, all right, I'm out. Or maybe this was already pre-planned a long while back ago and this is the first chance that he got to it. But Dylan Bundy is rosterless in our Baseball Life Fantasy Baseball League. So let's check out the data. Wins, zero wins. 383 uh, strikeout per walk, so pretty decent stuff. But the 589 ERA, the 1.24 whip, especially what we saw from him last year, that's kind of uh, underwhelming. You also mentioned Patrick Corbin, who, again, I believe Vince had a request for us to talk about Patrick Corbin. Uh, Vince from Dong City. So we will talk about Patrick Corbin in just a bit. Uh, and I'm sure that uh, Matt Bushnell would appreciate that from the Audible podcast and Leon, uh, who uh, is a Nationals fan. I'm sure he'll appreciate that as well. So we're, if you are if you have a podcast in these life groups, we will accommodate you, damn it. We are here to please. But here's what I have to say about Bundy, which is a lot, apparently. <laughs> Bundy has a career high ERA of 602. Um, hitters are making more contact. The swinging strike percentages are down from last year. What else can you tell me about Dylan Bundy? What when what is going wrong with him this year? Whiff rate is down, but ironically, the chase rate is up. And you would think with a guy like Bundy, who always struggled with getting his fastball hit too hard in Baltimore, uh, he always had that great slider and curveball mix. Uh, he really kind of reimagined himself that first year in LA last year where he would use the curveball early in counts. He would use the slider both for strikes and for chases, much like the guy that we're also going to talk about, Patrick Corbin, the six-plus ERA buddies. In this year, yes, the fastball is getting hit hard like it used to, but slightly less than it used to, actually. The thing that's really killing him this year is the changeup, and that changeup was a great pitch for him last year. It had a whiff rate of almost 33%, and they batted only 220 against it this year. So far in 2021, it is the only pitch that a player or the batters are batting over 300 against, and it's at 342. The only thing that you would maybe hope for is that the exit velocity against his changeup is low at around only 87 miles an hour, and they're pounding it into the ground at, you know, negative one degrees, a negative launch angle. Um, It's the slider is still good. It's not as good as it was last year. The curveball is still good. He's a guy that I maybe see a second half, you know, bounce back from because he is getting the chase. Um, the exit velocity against is still solid. Yeah. But um, it just, it's not fooling guys like it was last year, which is something that I, I worried about um, when you looked at his 2020 numbers and a, a shortened sample size that maybe over a full season. Uh, Dylan Bundy's numbers wouldn't have looked as good. They wouldn't have looked Cy Young like like they did last year. Oh yeah, uh, I thought that he had finally turned the corner in Los Angeles. I'm sorry, not Los Angeles in Anaheim. I'm sorry, 
Don't mean to offend the Orange County people. <laughs> the, Los, the Southern California, Los Angeles, Angels of Orange County, Anaheim, California, Southern California County, um, Inland Empire. I, I just throw all the names at them. It's my favorite. That's my, one of my favorite running gags in the baseball life group is just naming the Angels with as many cities and towns and counties that I can. But uh, yeah, because, you know, he's away from Baltimore. He's in the notorious uh bigger ballparks out in the West coast with a thicker air and the more pitcher friendly surroundings. And a lot of the peripherals suggest that he's a lot better than what his uh, traditional stats will show. So he's a guy I wouldn't have given up so easy. I mean, but the the fly ball percentage is up, which, but when you look at the hard hit rate, it's a career low. The expected ERA while higher than it was last year is lower than any season he had in Baltimore. So it does look like some bad luck. And with his stuff, maybe we trust him. He's still only 28, which is crazy to me, as you said. But 28 yeah. is what the new 34? <laughs> uh, uh, for pitchers, that's the new, it's still this, you know, the new 31, just like with hitters. But <laughs> as you know, we, we talked about it. Uh, pitchers seem to age a lot more gracefully nowadays as they get older. We Especially those with good breaking balls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that'll help. Yeah. Or, or if, if you're Jacob the Grom and all of a sudden you're you're pitching over 100 miles an hour for the first time and you get accused of using steroids and PEDs, oh, you're okay over there? Yeah, we're good. I just hit uh, my mic. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the the uh, Mets hit a home run in the ninth inning. We're uh, de- still down one run with our okay. AAA lineup, but we're getting a little excited over here. All right, uh, Patrick Corbin's the other guy, Mister Human Slider wannabe. Uh, uh, he of the of the starting pitchers on the list, he has the highest Sierra at four point seven one, according to Fangraphs as of today. Um, strikeouts are oh, Jesus Christ. Strikeouts seventeen point five percent. Man, six eleven expected ERA. I'm trying to find some positives here. Uh, oh, the, you won't. It, there are no positives for Alex Colome here. This has been coming for a long time. If no, you Patrick go, Corbin, Patrick Corbin. Patrick oh, oh, Corbin. oh, Corbin. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. There's but, still no. There's still no positives there. No, that, yeah. Either way, there's no positives. I, I just feel bad for my guy uh, Leon who dropped Dylan Bundy, but maybe he should have dropped Patrick Corbin. What? What's hey, he, your take he's, on that? He still owed like ninety million dollars over the next four years. So. <laughs> and Steven Strasburg's owed like another 260 million. So have fun with that, Mike Rizzo. <laughs> so what's going on with Patrick Corbin? Uh, Corbin why is he this bad? I mean, he's always been really a one pitch pitcher. Uh, even with his breakout in 2018, which is what gained him that big, you know, five year, I believe, 124, $125 million contract with Washington. Uh, the velocity went up a little bit on the fastball, but it was really his ability to, he had the two different types of sliders. He had the one that he really threw for strikes and he had the one that he threw to really get chases. The velocities were slightly different. It was really, like I said, two different pitches. And then he had that great postseason run in 2019 was used like a damn donkey in the in the bullpen during the playoffs <laughs> and he came back in 2021 even with the extra months to recuperate and he looked like a shell of himself the velocity was down but this year even with the velocity ticking slightly back up the fastball is not a good enough pitch uh he's th- getting back to trying to throw a sinker more he is adding a cutter which is interesting maybe it's some sort of like madison bumgarner development where he gains out a few more years by getting this high velo you know high velo for him is like 91 
but uh, high velo cutter to go with that uh, slider, which has always been a great pitch and it's still a great pitch. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just the, the fastball I don't trust. And if he only has the slider, then hitters are going to sit on it. And I, I, I just don't trust him. Is it bullpen time for him in Washington? I know, I know you pay him all that money, but it just is yeah, safe I, I, yeah. Mike Rizzo will never put him in the bullpen. He will uh, get fired before he you, gets put in the bullpen. You never know. You never know. I mean, if it's between getting a guy to continue to be unsuccessful in a role that he can't succeed in, or trying him out in a new role where only he would have to like turn into like a Sergio Romo type of pitcher, and I know it's not the money that they pay for him, you know, but something's better than nothing. Some productions, some positive production is better than no positive production. Do you, would that be justifiable enough to just put him in the bullpen and see if he can figure things out in there? I I think you just have to wait for him to try and figure something out in the rotation. Just one, because they don't have any other options in the rotation. And two, because in May he has found slightly more success Granted, it's not the success you look for when evaluating a pitcher like Patrick Corbin. Uh, a 3.8 ERA, a whip well over, it's about it's 1.3, but he's given up 32 hits in 30 innings, only 22 strikeouts. And the whiff rate is middling at best. And the highest indicator of get rid of this guy on your fantasy team, last year he had an expected ERA, of 5.27 when his actual ERA was 4.6. And obviously a lot of people were worried about him last year with Mm -hmm. how low the VLO was this year, the ERA 6.1, the expected ERA or a 6.13 this year, expected ERA Mm 6.11, nearly identical. So all of this has been earned. He's (laughs) not unlucky. He's just not good. So when do you drop him? Do you drop him now? If you're Leon, if you're dropping yeah, later, yeah, you, you got to find somebody else. I, I I just picked up David Peterson when I dropped it, uh, Jameson Tyone. Yeah. I'd put David Peterson well over Patrick Corbin. <laughs> Jesus, well, I call me masochistic. I'm Mexican, masochistic. I guess. Mexicistic. Mexican. <laughs> call me a masochistic. <laughs> I think I would give him like maybe at least two more starts and see if uh, if, if there's something that shows up. Um, if so, if there's like a little bit of a comeback for Patrick Corbin, I, I just think that he might be a little bit too talented to be this bad. But it is hard to argue. I mean, he was numbers. this bad for several years I know, going I know, into 2018. I know. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. Just anyway, let's move on then. Alice Colome again. I like making. I like thrashing these relief pitchers. So. <laughs> This is an easy one. This is a softball one. You 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 mentioned when when you told me about your list, you you all you told me about with Jet was that his bullpen suck, and that's just the short term of what we talked about. So here it is, Kalame, one of the most overrated relief pitchers ever, has two wins already, two saves, negative one net save. So that means, yep, he has more blown saves than actual saves. A two strikeout per walk ratio, which is really terrible for a relief pitcher. 496 ERA, 147 whip. Just a horrible, awful, no good, very good pitcher. He has the highest walk uh, uh, BB per nine, walk per nine ratio since his rookie year. And his expected ERA is at 7.02. Wow, Sean, um, is there... In a nutshell, is there anything worth keeping around with when it comes to Alex Colomay? No, and I've never felt more vindicated about a player in fantasy baseball before because 
when I looked at him in the preseason, when, especially when the Twins signed him, uh, he had what? Uh, he had 12 saves in the shortened season, 30 saves with the White Sox the year before that. And you broke it down and looked under the hood. He was not good. He wasn't good at all. He throws a cutter and a four seamer. He is like the great value brand Kenley Jansen. <laughs> Except even worse. I, I don't know how you can do that, but even worse, he relied on a lot of soft contact, which he did a pretty good job of. But you looked at his production since 2018. He was, I believe, the luckiest in terms of qualified relief pitchers with the differential between ERA and expected ERA. He was the luckiest relief pitcher in baseball. And we all knew sooner or later it was going to come falling down like a house of cards. And here he is with a five ERA and a seven expected ERA. Mm-hmm. I, that, that's just, it is what it is. Uh, what first percentile in average exit velocity, everything else, barrel, expected ERA, expected WOBA, expected slugging are all eighth, fifth percentile or worse. I mean, it's, he's not good. Yeah. And it's finally, you know, coming back to hurt him. I mean, that cutter has always been pretty good at getting soft contact. But sooner or later, he has to throw more than just a cutter. And he has that four-seamer, and that's all he has. He doesn't have anything, like, below 88 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And hitters are just going to zone in on that, and they have. Yeah, some, uh, a friend of mine asked me uh, uh, wh- last Earlier in this month, I, I'm trying to remember exactly when, but I basically told him just you got to drop Alex Colome. Uh, he's has no value, does not give you anything. I'm surprised you drafted him, but you could save face <laughs> now and pick up someone else. Jet, on the other hand, our buddy Jet from Wisconsin, he's still holding on. I don't know what he's seizing him, but he's holding on. I mean, he's done a good job of uh, kind of uh, going into cutting the bait. wire and cutting bait. And for some reason, he just sticks around with Alex Colome. I don't know why, but you know. Because Hansel Robles sucks, and they don't want to give Taylor Rogers the closer job. Which I don't care if Taylor Rogers doesn't get the closer job. I just don't want him to. I don't want Taylor Rogers to be bad either, which sucks for me too. Because I have Taylor Rogers on my team, thinking that he was gonna. I thought he was gonna get all the holds, and he doesn't even get that either. So whatever. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Kyle Hendricks. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Uh, over at Whelan's team, he does have four wins. I mean, he's always been a guile and crafty guy, but. Uh, 382 uh, strikeout per walk ratio, which is, I believe, oh, okay, it's not the best, but it's uh, it's up there on this list. But he has a 474 ERA, which is not the point of getting a Kyle Hendricks on your team. 1.50 whip, which, again, not the point of getting, he's supposed to be a control artist, and it looks like he's having some issues with command, because I, 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 I don't think he has a very high strikeout, I'm sorry, a high walk rate. Uh, where the hell is he? 4.9. So, yeah, it's a command issue with him. It means he's getting rattled and he's getting rocked. Let's see here. Uh, what else did I put up by him? Kyle Hendricks, highest home run per nine of his career at 2.01. So, yeah, that, that'll mess you up. Uh, expected ERA of 5.04. Strikeout rate. I mean, he's always been a low strikeout guy, but at 18.8%. So, he's not even hitting the 20% spots anymore like he used to. That, that's not going to cut it, man. Lowest since 2018. You so we argued about this in the offseason, uh, in March as we were getting close to the season. I've never been a big fan of Kyle Hendricks as an ace type material pitcher. You were arguing otherwise, I forgot the exact argument that it was, but that's neither here nor there at this point. 
I just wanted to point out that he's not ace material, like I mentioned. He's no Kevin Gossman, like I mentioned before <laughs> in March. So a little bit of a victory lap for me. But go ahead, say your spiel. Why should we still believe in Kyle Hendricks at this point? Yet another example of a absolutely terrible April, completely ruining the entire spread of a pitcher. Because outside of April, he has started four games. He's gone three and one with a 2.36 ERA. A 1.28 whip, which is high, in a 7-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio. That sounds a lot like Kyle Hendricks of old. (laughs) And he's still getting a pretty solid chase rate. You know, the whiff rate is still low, but that's what we expect out of uh, Kyle Hendricks. Still in the 90th percentile in walk rate. It's uh, sub-5, which is basically where it's been for the last three or four years. Yep. The expected ERA has jumped I believe that has a lot to do with the fly ball percentage has gone up. Line drive percentage has gone up. Ground ball percentage has gone down for a pitcher. That's not good. Uh, And the changeup, which was always a great pitch for him, is getting hit hard. The sinker is still doing what it's done. I mean, he's always had one of the best sinkers in baseball in terms of a usage amount and effectiveness. It never gets hit hard. It's still not getting hit hard. It's just that changeup has really kind of slowed him down. But he's a guy that I would throw a trade offer to whoever owns him and like offer somebody that you drafted really low that's maybe having a solid year and get Kyle Hendricks now. Because one, his stats from May don't affect you. And two, he's Kyle Hendricks. So go get him. I'm not giving up on Kyle Hendricks. He's been too good for too long, been too underrated for too long to just implode like nothing. Uh, If you get him for the rest of the year, you will not regret it. I will. That's going to be my declaration of the day. Uh, Well, here's my Connor. Here's my two reasons why Uh, it might not be worth getting Kyle Hendricks. Number one, if you get Kyle Hendricks, you have to start him. So that's a risk you have to be willing to take. I'm not willing to take that, so I don't want him. Number two, he's Kyle Hendricks. So those are my two reasons <laughs> to not get Kyle. I mean, I, lo- I like the guy. He has a good demeanor, has a nice uh, uh, prospect. Uh, not prospect. He's sorry. been so good. But it's it's always something with him. And I know that he it's- can get deep into <laughs> ball games, but it's always something with him. The other day, he gets he gets pulled after 83 pitches. And, and, and that's with him giving up soft contact to a bunch of Cardinals. I think they were facing the Cardinals. Yeah, they were facing the Cardinals, but he was still getting lit up by all the big boppers. I mean, I know you could say that every, you know, the big It was a quality start. He went six and two thirds, one earned run. I'll yeah, take but, that. <laughs> and he got pulled off after only 83 pitches. So so if he was a quality star and he's so dominant, why is he getting pulled off after only six and two thirds innings? That's what my thing is. And that's it's that's always been the story with Kyle Hendricks here in Chicago. Like he's I don't see him as that ace. Mid-rotation, fine. Mid-rotation in fantasy, that's fine. But people want to talk to him like like about him, like he's like this Uber top 10 starting pitcher. And he's not. He's an okay pitcher, but he's not he's nothing more than no. Above and beyond, okay. That's just the way I see him. I, I don't understand. The, I mean, people think he's Greg Maddox. First and foremost, stop comparing him to Greg Maddox. It's not. He's not Greg Maddox. <laughs> God damn it! You know. You know who he is. He's Jamie Moyer. On a if he's lucky to be Jamie Moyer at this point. You know. You know who he is. If he pitches for another fifteen years, Kyle Hendricks, like Jamie Moyer did, uh, he's probably a Hall of Famer. 
Because I mean, that would put him at like a 22 year career. That would be awesome. <laughs> but Jamie Moore, Jamie Moore's not in the Hall of Fame. That's just it. I mean, it's, it's but just, he had you know, better years than Jamie Moore did. Well, I mean, J- first and foremost, what did we talk about last time? Jamie Moore pitched in a steroid era, you know, <laughs> comic book hitter friendly era of baseball. Kyle Hendricks is in the middle of a, of a, of a pitching renaissance, as we talked about on yesterday's show. And he's as vanilla as you can get. You know what's more vanilla than Kyle Hendricks? It's a podcast with you and Vince Mercandetti. <laughs> <laughs> Call it Dong Basis or uh, Total City. <laughs> Total City. That sounds about right. Crack Cracker City, I think it was there. So there, I, got, I finally got to use the word cracker on the show. I, didn't, I don't think I used it earlier today. Let's move on to Juris Familia. Uh, he's belongs to Jacob. Another one where you like, you know, I don't like his bullpen. All right, well, I, this is a guy who I, I look at his at his uh, at, at his rate stats. Like, okay, this is it. We're gonna talk about Jiro's Familia. One save, but he's at zero net saves, which means he must have blown his save already. He has two wins, which always worries me when a relief pitcher has two wins already. Uh, two strikeouts per walk ratio, which is really bad for a relief pitcher. Two four five ERA though, not too shabby, but a one point seven one WHIP. That's really bad. Uh, honorable mention goes to Mike Soroka, but that's too easy. Uh, that's too easy to talk about Mike Soroka. Out, out with injury, yeah, and uh, he was he was coming back from it, and then they had to do another surgery to figure out why he wasn't able to come back from it. That's never a good thing. Really spooky. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen someone have a surgery to fix something, and then almost a year – no, okay, it wasn't a year. It's probably about eight months. Yeah. Eight months later, they do another surgery. Not to, like, say – I've seen a player get surgery – and then they say, oh, it ripped again or whatever, and they have to do another surgery. This was a – we have to do another surgery because we don't know what's wrong. Yeah, those – That that freaks me out. The the first time I heard about an exploratory surgery, which really creeped me the <laughs> hell out, was with uh, former Bears defensive lineman Alonzo Spellman. Uh, they wanted to do uh, exploratory surgery either on his shoulder or his knee – and Spellman was very adamant about not getting it done. And then next thing you know, Alonzo Spellman is buck naked on the side of the road, just aimlessly walking. And we find out that, you know, he needs to be on some sort of medication just to keep him from doing that all the time. But yeah, I mean, he always had that, what do you call it? That reputation of being kind of wacky and crazy and kind of loony. And, and then that, we, like the Chicago media chewed him out for not wanting the exploratory surgery. And then what a month or two, maybe a year later, my memory's kind of hazy. I was just a kid back then. He's on the side of the road, buck naked, wondering where the hell he is. But anyway, getting back to Julius Familia, Bob, it brought batting, batting average on balls in playoff 386. Contra rakes are up from last year. Uh, all right. So I know that a lot of Familia's peripherals are very what do you call it uh good promising. great <laughs> promising i don't know man it's not it's, it's not i don't know it's not adding together right now but go ahead and make your case for Julius familia so in terms of fantasy familia is probably not as much fantasy relevant as he was back in 2016 but if we're gonna go back to 2016 when he had 51 saves he has posted the lowest expected era since then, he has a 2.94 expected ERA. It's the lowest of his career since 2016 when he posted a 2.49. Uh, as you said, he has a 386 BABIP. Uh, his expected average on uh, expected batting average is only uh, fan graphs or baseball swans messing with me here, but it's 220. 
it's 220. Um, the actual batting average against him is 286. So he is one of the unluckiest pitchers in baseball. He has one of the nastiest sinkers in baseball, which has never changed. The issue that we're seeing with familiar, not even an issue, but the improvement we're seeing upon familiar this year is the walk rate has come down, but it's still high. He is a pitcher that has such wicked movement that pit, hitters just stop swinging at it and they waited for the ball to drop out of the zone or pull away from the zone. But this year he's pounding the zone more effectively. Uh, you look at his savant sliders, everything is about 85th percentile or better in terms of batted ball data and expected data. Uh, the strikeouts aren't there. He was never a guy that relied heavily on the strikeout. You would like to see, especially in a saves plus hold league, more holds yeah. from him. Mm-hmm. But the Mets have not been in a position to get holds. <laughs> they don't get leads. They're you in have first to, place still? What? They just lost to the Rockies tonight. But oh! uh, yeah, it's brutal. Uh, you have to have a lead to get a hold. The Where Mets are. Are they? are they in Colorado or are they in New York? They're, they're in New York. Uh, Austin Gomber threw eight innings and only gave up two runs. Damn, um, Austin Gomber. Yeah, Did Austin Gomber coming. The the, the coming? center the the center diamond jewel piece of the Nolan Arenado trade working out just as Colorado anticipated. So That's the the one point seven whip is definitely misleading. the The walks are high, and we should always expect them to be high with someone who has just the outrageous stuff that Familia has. But the 17 hits in 14 innings, when you look at his batted ball data, just doesn't match up. Mm -hmm. And you can chalk it up to bad luck, which is what it's been really for the last two years. But the walks this year are down, which makes that variable bad luck not as detrimental as we see in his ERA is only 2.45. All right, that's Jerez Familia over at Team Jacob, also part of the Step Back podcast for the uh, part of our life group network for the basketball life basketball group on Facebook. Finally, we got to our king and fearless leader, you, you usurper, you King Puti Henry with the Puerto Rican flag <laughs> colors, German German Marquez. Like, oh my God, where's where's my Latino ness? Herman Marquez. Uh, you know what uh, Herman Marquez is in English, right? Or Spanish to English, right? What is it? He's the Marquez of Germany. <laughs> Three wins, 187. Oh, my God. 1.87 strikeout per walk ratio. He's killing it. He's killing someone. He's killing the Rockies. It's a 187. 482 ERA, 159 whip. Oh, my, my 187 joke went by you, man. What's going on? Uh <laughs> Um, the honorable mention here is Charlie Morton, but that was too easy. Come on, he was about to retire, and then the Braves came calling, like, oh, you know, I got another year or two on me left. But Marquez has a career high walk per nine, uh, this year, and he's been bad at home and on the road, so you can't even use that, like, oh, well, you know, just start him on the road and oh. and bench him on the home. No, he's been bad everywhere, so I used to do that all for a long time, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, 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 he has, I mean, he always. People talk about him like he has like this dynamic stuff and he's oh. he ace material uh, anywhere else. But if you have to account for his ballpark, you have to bench him at his uh, at his home ballpark just so you could start him uh, on on the road. And to me, that I mean, if you have an ace pitcher or a top of the line pitcher in fantasy, that's a guy you just plug in every single day, every single week, no matter who the matchup is. I'm a firm, I'm a firm believer of that. That's why I always stick with Jacob Degrom. No matter how many times he breaks my heart, no matter how times the Mets don't want to give him any run support, no matter how many times he gets hurt, because I know when that mother sucker is healthy, <laughs> when that mother sucker is healthy, man, 
he racks up the fantasy points. He racks up the 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 numbers, the strikeouts. I mean, yeah. But Herman Marquez, uh, you might want to bench him when he's at home. Like, why? You have to, you're drafting him as a top five starter for your own team. Why? Why do that to yourself? But anyway, Herman Marquez. Is there anything at the end of the tunnel, man? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel for Herman Marquez in twenty? Because he has two pitches with a whiff rate of at least 45% too. Uh, they're both his slider and his curveball. Uh, the fastball is getting hit relatively hard, but that's what happens with most fastballs in a place like Colorado. He does have a career-high ground ball percentage, which maybe not having Nolan Arenado hurts a little bit here, mm. uh, but he is also posting the highest career BABIP since his rookie year when he only pitched 20 innings. That year, he had a 361 BABIP for Colorado. This year, he has a 336. He's never had a BABIP higher than 316. So it's not a crazy increase in BABIP. It's only 20 points. But career-high ground ball percentage is something that you would like to see in Colorado. Uh, anything you do to keep the ball you know, from traveling. Uh, but the home run to fly ball rate is back up from last year. Last year was his career low at under nine and a half percent this year it's back up to his 14 15 percent range he's a guy that uh prime candidate to be traded <laughs> and holy mother of god when he gets traded i want to be the guy that owns him that's is, that is that's is it that <sighs> simple of a solution if he just gets traded away from colorado everything resolves itself i mean because like i said he's been bad on both home and away so what makes in a think- small sample size that's well, a small sample size regardless, La- right? Last year in 2020, he had a 2.0 ERA on the road. In the year before that, he had a 3.6 ERA, which isn't great, but compared to his 6.2 ERA at home in 2019, <laughs> we can keep going back in 2018. 2.95 yeah, ERA. He has been awesome on the road in his career. Uh, I'm not looking... I- Okay, in, in 2017, we're looking at four and a half years ago. Uh, he had a 4.1 ERA. A whoop-de-doo, Basil. I told you he was a bum. No, um, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I mean, I want to believe. I really do, but it's like, Herman Mark, I don't know. He, he's only 26 years old, too. Oh, well, that's the new 30. Um, <laughs> I yeah, hate he's, you he's so seen, much. <laughs> like, the 24 is like, I'm. T- that's why, you know, in our league, 24 is the cutoff for the uh, minor league slots. Because you know, if you're 25, you're no longer a, a prospect. You're you're already like mid 20s and you're already peaking. You're already, there's no more PD usages. So, yeah, you're already peaking at that point. It's not 27 years old. It's 25. Get your ass up. And, well, actually, teams have to realize that 25 is already too old to be in the minors as a minor league prospect, but that's another argument for another time. And you know hey, what? Jeff McNeil was in the minor leagues until like 26, 27. Yeah, there's, so there's late bloomers. Huh? He was 33 years old when he got called up. I get it. <laughs> in 2020, 2019 terms, whatever. Uh, all right. So Marquez uh, going to the Cardinals then, because that seems to be the thing that the Cardinals do is just swindle the rock. Uh, Marquez to the hopefully San Francisco giants, please. Ooh. like i I said like i said when herman marquez is traded i want him on my team so i am looking to acquire herman marquez in all of my leagues so henry hit me up in the dms i will trade you the rights to king putti in in exchange for uh herman marquez well that's well now Henry has this fantasy, no, not fantasy baseball, but the, he didn't. He, I think he's admitted as much having this fantasy of Herman Marquez ending up in New York with his Yankees. 
Now, are you optimistic about him then? Uh, more so than Colorado, yes, but uh, <laughs> I'd be less optimistic if you were a Yankee. All right. Granted, the, if- the, the high ground ball percentage, really good breaking ball, it could work. Yeah. I, I just thought of something right now. What if he goes to Oakland? Now that's now that I could do some damage with that. Oakland has minor leaguers to trade. Have you seen their farm system? I don't know. I mean, oh, it's we, so we bad. Made, we made fun of them, and they're still in uh, battling for first place in the AL West. I thought they were going to be uh, an afterthought this year. That, that is something that we should uh, look into is uh, some minor league far, farm system oh, strikes. Oh, my God. It's the end of the month. We should have done it right now. Oops. Uh, Maybe we'll do it on the comeback. Wah, wah, wah. My bad. And that's it. The 12 disappointing pitchers for 2021 so far. Um, we're not giving up on all of them uh, unless there are relief pitchers like Rafael Montero, Alex Calame, and maybe even Juris Familia, who doesn't do anything but give, you know, give up walks. Garbage uh, time. Garbage time. <laughs> garbage time strikeouts. Uh, but that's that's the list right there. Uh, let's do lightning round. Uh, Adam or don't Adam. I know we're long, but let's just do yes or no. I'm not going to do like, because uh, I went down to like 10% for the Honestly, you, you did a lot of guys yesterday. I was shocked yeah, by that. Yeah. Uh, I was just kind of curious, but let's not do that. Uh, let's do 40% or maybe even 20% starting with. Nah, I don't want to do Chris Bubich. I feel like we talked about him already. Let's not do Chris Bubich. What about this guy named James Capril- Caprillion? Caprillion, yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. The stuff's always been good. Health yeah. has been an issue. Uh, Oakland is pretty good at developing, developing pitchers. I They're thought the farm system was a joke. Uh, you look at guys like Jesus Lazardo, AJ Puck. Granted, mentioning those guys, uh, <laughs> they are good at developing pitchers. They're not very good at keeping them healthy. So... Uh, as is long he, as he's healthy, there he's is he actually worth starting. Yes, is he, yeah, okay. Because I, I don't like the big gaps there. With the first start was on May 12th, his next start was May 21st. Yeah, he uh, I What's think went on, on the IL for 10 days. I think that's what it was. Oh, okay, all right, all right. What about Cody Petit? Who's another no. guy I've been hearing a lot. No, about. I, I just saw him pitch against the Mets. And if the Mets weren't full of triple A players right now, they would have bombed him. Okay. Uh, there's Hansa Robles, but I don't care about him. That's a, that's a, okay, how about this guy, Tariq Skubal? All right, so I had him in in, in, in uh, my points league. I gave up on him, but it looks like he's making a comeback. He's already been picked up in my league, jerks, going after my sloppy seconds, assholes. But Tariq <laughs> Skubal, is he finally figuring things out as far as you can tell? He's a 24-year-old lefty, so if we go by the Steven Matz train of thought, he won't really figure it out for another six years, so you can hold Pat on him. Okay. I left, Lefties always take longer to develop. His velocity yeah. isn't great. He's got a br- great breaking ball. It's just he hasn't put it together yet, and like most lefties do, they take forever. Uh, Spencer Howard, yes or no? Uh Yes. Okay, 24%. He on. made his first start. He struggled, but if they if the Phillies start him from here on out, yeah, I, I like I would take Spencer Howard over any of the guys you've mentioned so far. All right. That, that's good to know because I have him on my team so far. Um, let's go with John Gant, 25% owned. The Don't know if he's going to stick in the rotation with Carlos Martinez coming back. But if he does, Gant has always been a guy that's pretty underrated. Uh, he just really reminds me of Carlos Torres, which makes me think he's not really fantasy relevant. All right. Well, then let's stop talking about him. Merle Kelly. It seems like every time I want to give up on him, his name always shows up on the waiver wire as 
being somewhat productive. I don't know. Merrill Kelly, is this the time to buy on him or do we just leave him on the waiver wire to rust? I, I would leave him out there. Okay. I always confuse him and Taylor Clark. I don't know why. I think Taylor Clark actually throws hard while Merrill mm-hmm. Kelly can barely break a pane of glass. But uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm more interested in probably Taylor Clark than Merrill Kelly. Uh, all right, Josh Fleming, Brad Keller. We talked about those guys. Fleming, already. I like Fleming. Especially, Is he actually starting? Okay, so he's not starting, but he's being used behind an opener, and he's uh-huh. like consistently going six innings. So right. it's this really weird where he's almost always eligible for a win, <laughs> and he's not going to get a lot of strikeouts. The whip isn't that high. It's only at 1.06 this year. He went 5-0 and in seven games in 2020. Uh, so he's still rookie eligible this year. So far, in eight games, he has four wins. Only started four of those games. He's a really fun pitcher. I watched him in Montgomery a lot. He's a pitch-to-contact, good slider, sinker, sl- sinker-cutter guy. Um, but yeah, he gets. I feel like he could be a sneaky source of wins. Okay. Uh, I'm set between 40 and 20%, but uh, I just wanted to mention... Okay, here's another guy really quick before I go back up to, to, up to the top of the list here. Uh, Drew Smiling, 29%. Uh, I, every time I see him on the waiver, I'm like, mm, should I pick him up? And then I dig a little deeper and do the research. And, I'm like, and at the end, I just go, nah, I'd rather not. But another week, another Drew Smiley sighting. Is this the week to get him? No. ERA okay. over five, expected ERA over five. I think he was a... Hit a, a 2020, uh, what do they call like fake? What, what do they call fake diamonds? I can't remember. I think uh, there's a name for them. Cubic zirconiums? Yeah. <laughs> he's he's an Atlanta zirconium. <laughs> All right. The jewel of the South. The jewel of the South. Fake. You know why it's fake? Because of uh, General Sherman burning it down. <laughs> to build it up. And he took all the diamonds. Use the cheap material. Yeah, he took all the diamonds. Shine bright like a diamond. Okay, Corbin Martin. Uh, he's only uh, 7% owned, but I wanted to talk about it because he has a, uh, I believe he was a highly touted prospect as well for the Diamondbacks. It looks like he's going to be sticking in the rotation. He had a decent start uh, in his first uh, start against Dodgers back last week. I am assuming you had to go and get him, right? He was a very good prospect in the minor leagues. He was what some would call the centerpiece in that Zach Greinke deal, even though it was more of three really solid pieces that Arizona got back when they traded Greinke. They got back uh, Josh Rojas, who has been huge for them this year. They got back the DH uh, Seth Beer, and they got Corbin Martin. Corbin Martin probably had the highest you know, upside of all of them. But right after being traded to Arizona, what did they? Ha- what happens? I think he pitched, I believe... Uh, only a few games and went down with Tommy John surgery, I, or he had already been diagnosed with the torn UCL before the trade and they had to do medicals, but he's rehabbed. He's 25 years old. He throws pretty damn hard. Uh, the velocity in 2019 when he had a small cup of coffee was 95 and a half so far this year, it's 94. Um, but interesting enough, he's thrown 15 curveballs. Uh, batters have whiffed on 75% of them. Interesting enough. And that does it. I have nothing else to tell you. I have nothing else to share with you. A little bit of housekeeping notes here. Uh, We are off this upcoming Sunday. That's where we're here on Monday night. I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the show. Sorry about that. But we are here on a Monday night because we're not going to be here next next weekend because it is Memorial Day weekend and we want to take a break and enjoy our holiday uh, just like everybody else. So 
Uh, you will see us soon enough. Uh, I am off. This is probably my last show until Father's Day uh, next month as uh, uh, I have to take care of some things. And it's my baby's uh, first birthday coming up soon. So there's a lot of party planning going on and my wife needs me more than ever. So I have to uh, take a break from the show. So, I'm going to be looking in the mail for my invite. Uh, oh, uh, long to <laughs> what we'll want to broadcast is Zoom. Wise. Yeah, hey, why not? when I was at the softball game on Saturday, my brother FaceTimed me for my niece's first birthday. Oh, so, she oh, had her geez, little okay. Dory cake. Uh, she was like face pump. <laughs> like, she was very hesitant when they called us. It was very cute, though. Yeah, I'm oh, sure boy. you're going to enjoy it. Oh, it's going to be fun, but it's going to be uh, just between me and you. Between me and you, I, I'm getting a lot of uh, flashbacks to our wedding day. It's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Sean will be uh, looking for a backup to take my spot. I mean, I'm irreplaceable, like Beyonce. But uh, I'm sure. But the show must go on without me. So, Sean, uh, good luck to you in finding a replacement. If anything, just go solo, man. Those are usually fun times as well. Of course, let's go, let's go solo like I used to do. And then at um, the end of the episode, I, I log off and I sound like this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, that, that's the downside. Uh, that's a you can take a hundred percent of the speaking uh, activity as opposed to fifty percent like we do here. Uh, so yeah, so it's, this is the last time you'll see me for a while. Let me see, see my mug right here because you can't see me behind the microphone. Uh, okay, so with that being said, uh, some housekeeping uh, issues here. Uh, oh, the podcast, right? So Donk City just went before us. Uh, they're always on a Monday night, although apparently, according to Vince, they may not come back Monday night. I don't know what's going on there. I, I'm, I must have missed something as I was uh, getting ready to uh, leave work and drive. And next thing I know, uh, Vince is talking about not showing up next week. So we'll stay tuned. I guess for that, but they usually go on Monday nights to talk about uh, baseball here at the Facebook, uh, sorry, the baseball life Facebook group Tuesday night. It's the audible. We talked about it's the involuntary voluntary <laughs> mini camp, uh, OTA, uh, PPOs, involuntary camps, involuntary <laughs> unwritten rule camps. Uh, Matt Bushnell and Randy Hammond do a fantastic job uh, killing the monotony of, of, of football. Although now would be a good time to go every other week. Cause unless some, big event happens but it's already june like like julio jones being traded okay so i guess there is something to talk he, about yeah. he says i'm out of here he said that on uh yeah. one of the espn talk shows today oh it's a uh, fox sports one he uh, said skip. i'm out of there man he's goes skipping uh and shannon uh over at fox sports one he goes yeah i'm out of atlanta but i don't want to go to the to the dallas cowboys either so hey his kia dealership is like right down the road from me what julio jones yeah he has oh, a couple I... of car dealerships so far oh good for him man the kia huh Okay. <laughs> hey. No, I'm I'm being honest. That what was a Kia Optima with the turbo powered engine? Those are nice cars. Yeah, you should I, you should consider one. My neighbor yeah. had a very nice Optima with the silver. It was all black with like silver trim. It, oh, it was nice. Oh man, I almost bought a white one with the red interior leather. I'm like, oh my god, I want this car. The problem was that it came with a with a car accident uh, on the report. <laughs> And then when I came back and said, you know, screw it. I don't care about the car. accident. I'm going to buy it anyway because I fell in love with that car and nothing else compared. It was gone. Oh, yeah. So maybe if, maybe it was for the best. Uh, what's the other show? Uh, the Worksheet Podcast Thursday Wrestling. Um, it's wrestling. I, I need the fans to be back. No, I, I can't watch without the fans, man. I need. I just need them to be back so they can complain in person as opposed to on the internet so um nobody no one no one's having a good time although uh chris jericho said that kenny omega is probably the best wrestler going right now and that pissed off like half of the wrestling community and yeah uh the step back podcast we're in the middle of the playoffs so go check them out and their playoff coverage right now jacob is crying because the knicks lost game one against the atlanta <laughs> hawks 
No, he's not crying. It's actually pretty objective. Uh, Jacob Moses has been so good for him. He is then, a very objective fan. I will give him that, especially compared to a lot of New York fandoms. He is pretty level-headed. I will give it to him. Oh man, you know when you when you touch a nerve, you know how to touch <laughs> those nerves. Though he could be as a big a homer. I mean, we talked about it. he had the most homer picks in our fantasy baseball draft. Oh, uh, we're about to start the whole Chicago New York thing of the. We oh, don't no, have time no. for this on the podcast. Oh no, 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 no. We're not talking Chicago. It's just it's all you know. It's, all, it's just New York, man. It's all New York, <laughs> and that's it. Those are all the podcasts. Like I said, Sean will be looking for uh, someone for June sixth and the thirteenth uh, for those shows. So from Sean, I am Felipe. This is the Total Basis Podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys.